This week on the Myths and Legends podcast, it's five stories of the turtle from the folklore of West Africa. And you'll see how a cute little turtle is basically the most dangerous, devious animal imaginable. Then, on the Creature of the Week, it's a greasy, hairy little man from Japanese folklore who just wants to steal your eggplant and mess up your clean bathroom. This is the Myths and Legends podcast, episode 40, Cold-Blooded. This is a podcast where I tell stories from folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories you might not have heard, but really should. In a lot of cultures, the tortoise is the symbol of longevity, wisdom, and tranquility. Not so for West African folklore. Among the different countries of West Africa and their folklore, the turtle is small, slow, and lazy. But he's also smart. He has studied all the animals, and he knows how they'll react in every situation. He's absolutely a trickster, preferring to use lies and deception to get what he needs, rather than do an honest day's work. Most of the time, instead of working and farming like the other animals, he can be found sunning himself on a nice rock, waiting for the other animals to finish up before he cons them. Our first story is about how a little turtle pays his debts, and how he treats his creditors. The turtle walked, slowly, back home. Well, to his home in progress, his stomach growled. It was a time of drought and famine. He felt justified in having eaten all of his seeds in the spring because nothing was growing anyway. All the animals were starving, and so the turtle decided that this would be the best time to build a house. This very savvy business turtle deduced that no one was building houses at this time, so he could get all the building materials for a song, or rather, for a promise. He went to all of his friends and got materials for an extravagant turtle mansion. He went, in turn, to his friend Slink the Worm, and then his friend Sly the Fox, then a human, then Red the Rooster, then Spot the Jaguar. From each of them, he secured what he needed and promised he would have the money for the materials in one week. Of course, he didn't have the money he was going to use as payment. He didn't have anything, but that was future Turtle's problem present turtle just needed to worry about building his sweet turtle mansion without thumbs or hands and being a turtle. In a week, his mansion was done. Slink the worm showed up first, and turtle met him at the front door. The pair very slowly moved inside until the worm was pleasantly seated on a well-constructed couch in the inner room. So where's my money? Slink the worm said when he was seated. The turtle nodded. The money of course, with interest. He had it. It was hidden away in one of the rooms. He told his buddy, Slink, to wait here. He would be back with it, but it might take him a while, because he was a turtle. The turtle made his way to the back of the house, and then he heard a knocking at the front door. He exited out of the back and made his way to the front to see the rooster pecking at the door. He too wanted his money with interest. Now. The turtle said that he was just going to go get it. It was out in the field. He opened the door with his stubby little leg and told the rooster to wait in the inner room while he went and got the money. The turtle watched Red the rooster go into the house, but he did not go get the money. He waited and listened. The rooster walked into the center room to see Slink the worm relaxing on a tasteful sofa, 
dreaming about all the food he could buy with the turtle's money. And his probably non-existent warm eyes widened when he saw a very hungry rooster standing in the doorway. Slink the worm gave only the briefest improbable worm scream before he was eaten in one gulp by the rooster. Turtle heard the scream just as his next creditor was walking up to his turtle mansion. It was Sly the fox, right on time. Turtle pretended to be exiting the front door when the fox arrived, and Turtle said that he was just going out to get the fox's money. Go ahead and take a seat in the center room, and I'll be right back with it. With interest. Oh, and hey, the little turtle said as he walked away. I know times are tough, so I left a little something extra for you in the center room. Enjoy. There was a much longer fight in the inner room, but eventually the turtle didn't hear anything but a fox smacking his lips after a satisfying meal. Minutes later, the next creditor came to Turtle's house. It was Spot the Jaguar, also on time. The turtle gave him the same line about his interest waiting for him in the center room, in addition to the money that the turtle was surely going to go get, right now. Also, here's a hint. Your interest is delicious. The turtle barely had time to close the door before the next creditor came. A human hunter, and he was early. The turtle, speaking over the commotion inside as Spot ate his interest, stalled the hunter. He made small talk about the gun, and the hunter said that you can never be too careful. Also, he's a hunter, so, you know. The turtle gave him yet the same line about needing to go get the money from the fields, and to just go in and make yourself at home. When the hunter went inside, the turtle, once again, did not go get the money. He didn't have it. He waited. He heard a yell, a snarl, and then a shot rang out. Then nothing. I should tell you right now so you aren't disappointed. There's no twist ending. The turtle slowly walks in to see both the hunter and the jaguar dead. The jaguar had attacked the hunter, and the hunter shot it before succumbing to his injuries. The turtle presumably looking super cute while doing it, drags the hunter out by his collar and respectfully buries him. He not so respectfully deals with the jaguar and that gruesome Russian nesting doll situation because he skins and preserves the body and by eating the jaguar, he was able to survive the famine and get an awesome house out of the deal. So yeah, the turtle got away with it completely. We'll talk about all that at the end of the episode. A few weeks later, the turtle was hanging out in the animal village. There, a chimp was bragging. The chimp was saying that he was so much like the humans, perhaps he could be the king of everything. The turtle paused. This was new. He didn't like this type of talk. The lion, the hippo, and the elephant all thought they were in control, but they were pretty easy to manipulate. The chimp, though, was another story. He was smart. Maybe even approaching the intelligence of man. Maybe he came close to the smartest animal of all, the little turtle. If he got it in his head that he could be king, well, the turtle didn't like any of that. He wouldn't be able to predict what the chimp would do and manipulate him. He needed to nip this in the bud. Later that day, he slowly walked up to the lion's den with a tray of akara on his back. He had baked some akara, it's basically a fritter, and added some honey to it so that it would be sweet. He came to the lion's house and placed it outside his door. Then the turtle walked away as quickly as he could, which wasn't very quick. 
It was moments before the lion, inside doing lion stuff, smelled the fresh-baked kara and bounded to the door. There, he found the fritters and ate them immediately. And they were amazing. I find that I'm kind of like the lion. When I have one piece of cake, I don't just sit there and say, wow, that was sure great, and get on with my day. I want to eat all the cakes that exist. The lion was the same way. He didn't just feel grateful that someone had made him, the sometimes king of the animals, a nice treat. No, he wanted more. Then, he saw the turtle running as fast as he could away from the den. Turtle, breaking a metaphorical sweat and breathing hard from all the exertion, was barely moving when compared to the lion, and the lion strolled up alongside him, and with one claw, flipped him over. The turtle's legs went inside his shell, but before his head could follow, the lion caught him by the neck. Where'd the Akara come from? The lion demanded. I don't know what you're talking about, the turtle said. The lion sighed and ran his claw lightly along the underside of the turtle. We know how strong your top shell is. I wonder how thick this is, the lion said to himself as he began to scratch. Okay, I know exactly what you're talking about, the turtle said, but it's a secret. Tell me, the lion said. I really don't want to, the turtle said. The lion pressed slightly harder with his claw on the turtle's underbelly. Okay, but please remember that I didn't do this. It was the chimp. He dropped off the Kikara and ran away, but before he did, you really don't want to know. I really do want to know, the lion said, and I'm getting tired of just doing ominous gestures. Tell me or I'll kill you. Well, the turtle gulped. It wasn't Akara. It was feces. You just ate chimp feces. The lion roared and smacked the turtle, who flew to the side and landed shell up, back on his feet. By the time he had reoriented himself, the lion had bounded toward the village to visit the chimp. Happy that his plan had worked, he slowly walked back to his house to keep trying to get the blood out of his couch. Oh, hey lion, the chimp said, as the lion entered his home and calmly shut the door behind him. Everything okay, buddy, the chimp said. Make the sweet feces, the lion growled. Uh, the, the what? The chimp said. You heard me. Make the feces now. Those cakes were the best thing I ever tasted. I think we might be having two different conversations here, the chimp said. I don't really know what you're talking about at all. The lion was hungry, and he roared so loudly that he wanted the feces now that the chimp's ears were ringing afterward. Whether voluntarily or involuntarily, the chimp complied with the request, right there on the floor of his house. And the lion went to work sampling. After a few mouthfuls, he was even more angry, and he said that this is terrible. This feces tastes like crap. Which, one, yes, I'm very proud of that joke, and two, we have some really highbrow humor this week on the Myths and Legends podcast. He began to yell at the chimp, no, not this nasty, bitter feces. Make me the good stuff. Like you left at my door. You know, the sweet stuff. The chimp said, look, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's the only stuff I know how to make. Please, this is scary and confusing. I really don't want you to eat that. The lion became angry and began hitting the chimp's bottom, yelling for him to make more of the good stuff. But the chimp said that he really didn't need to go. The lion kept hitting him 
and scratching at him until the chimp's bottom was red and swollen. Then, when he realized that no sweet feces were coming, he narrowed his eyes, wiped his mouth, and left, only to see the whole village surrounding the chimp's house. The animal saw the chimp cleaning up his floor. They had heard the fight and saw evidence of it on the lion's whiskers. From that day forward, the hippo and the elephant were deferred to as the rulers of the animal world. And if you're wondering, that's why some chimps' bottoms are red. Actually, in researching this, I found that it's generally female chimps whose bottoms become red and swollen when it's mating season. Next up, we'll see the turtle open a small business and treat his business partner just about as well as he treats his creditors, right after this. This week's episode is brought to you by Away Travel. So if you don't know, Away makes really nice, high-quality luggage. I got a carry-on size recently, and I took it out of the box, and then immediately had to leave the room, leaving my almost two-year-old alone with the closed, empty suitcase. I come back and find him jumping on it. And that's what you're listening to right now. Him jumping on the away suitcase before I pulled him, laughing, off of it. And it took the worst that an almost two-year-old could do like a champ. Which was kind of surprising to me because it's super lightweight, but it's really strong. I'm totally going to sound like an infomercial, but that's not all. I found myself with a dead phone battery in the airport. And in some airports, it's like the Hunger Games to get an open outlet. One time, I had to be blasted by frigid air sitting next to an open door in the Philadelphia airport in the middle of January because that was the only available outlet. I'm glad that I won't need to do that again because the carry-on size of the away suitcase has an awesome built-in phone charger with enough capacity to charge your dead iPhone not just once, but five times over. You never have to worry about a dead battery again when you're traveling. Really, if you're in the market for a new suitcase, check it out. You can get $20 off your order by visiting awaytravel.com legends and using the promo code legends during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash legends and use promo code legends during checkout. This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get four to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. And for this crate that costs less than $20, you get $40 plus in value. And every month there's a different theme and all the items are curated on that theme. Previous crates have included things from Legend of Zelda, The Walking Dead, Marvel, DC Comics, Doctor Who, and Adventure Time. Last month, the futuristic box was amazing. It came with a Planet Express ship from Futurama, which is now sitting next to Batman on my desk. It's magnetic and detachable, so I can pretend like it's flying around the room while sitting at my desk on important phone calls. August is the incredibly cool theme of the anti-hero, Walk the Hero Villain online with this 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill that includes two great collectibles, a wearable, and, of course, the monthly tea and pin. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9pm Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com legends and enter code legends to save $3 on your new subscription today. All right. Now it's back to the show. Time passed, and Turtle, though he lived in a swanky mansion with a body in the backyard, needed cash. He approached his friend, Pig, 
about opening up a small business tilling fields for people and animals. They worked side by side for a few years and even though Pig got the feeling that Turtle wasn't being quite honest with him, he always got his money so the turtle couldn't do that much damage. Then, a big job came through. The turtle and the pig's business got a contract to till the fields of the king, the human king. It was a big deal. It was also a big field. They arrived in the morning, and the turtle became more and more tired, just looking at the job ahead of him. The pig said that they should get to work, and started tilling, but looked back and the turtle was gone, which is actually kind of impressive, given that he was a turtle and disappearing Batman style when people turn their backs is fairly difficult. 30 minutes later, the turtle walked back to the field. The pig, sweaty and annoyed, asked where he went. He told the pig that he had to go to the bathroom. For 30 minutes, the pig asked. I really had to go, but don't worry about that, the turtle said. We have to get to work. The pig rolled his eyes and thought that finally the turtle would get to work. And he did. I mean, he was super slow for a turtle, but at least he was working. The wind blew through the pig's hair as he pushed the rototiller through the field. He took a deep breath and was happy to be outside, making money in the fields with his fr- Wait, where did the turtle go? 45 minutes later, the turtle returned from another bathroom break. Hey, he asked, is it lunchtime yet? pig worked hard for nearly five hours straight, all while the turtle kept taking bathroom breaks. Finally, when the turtle returned, the pig threw down his tiller and said that he too was going to take a bathroom break. Okay, the turtle said, but don't take too long. There's still a lot of work to do. The pig, really needing a break and angry that the turtle was making him do all the work, lay down in the shade of a tree and rested. The turtle could work for a little while. And he did. Not particularly hard, but he did work for about 10 minutes until lunch came. The queen herself, with her attendants, brought the two workers lunch in the field. The turtle, seeing as he had an audience, grunted and strained as he worked the field. Finally, when the queen asked him to stop for lunch, she asked him where his partner was. The turtle shrugged. He said he didn't know where the pig was. Probably off on another one of his bathroom breaks, making air quotes. In all honesty, the turtle continued, I'm working myself to death while he sleeps the day away. But anyway, if you take the lid off the food, he'll come running. Eating is just about the only thing he does well. The queen looked toward the trees, her eyes narrowed. She divided the food into three portions and put two in one clay container and the third in another. She gave the turtle the container with more food it told him that she was sorry about his partner. When he learns to do a full day's work, he'll get a full lunch. Until then, enjoy your food, industrious little turtle. The turtle thanked her for her understanding, and she left. As soon as she did, the turtle looked to the forest and ate his two-thirds of the food as quickly as he could. Then he called the pig. Lunch was here. The pig had been gone 20 minutes, and he ran toward the turtle, his stomach aching. The turtle said that the queen just left, but she brought their lunch. Here it is. The pig looked down in disbelief. This was supposed to be lunch for both of them? The turtle nodded. The pig was a little outraged. This was tiny. They had turned down two extra silver pieces for a big lunch. The turtle shrugged and went to work dividing it evenly. 
And yep, the turtle, despite working maybe a half hour all morning, took five-sixths of lunch. And it doesn't stop there. They finished the day, and the turtle actually worked a bit more in the afternoon. And the pig was so hungry that he nearly passed out. He was working in the hot sun with only a little to eat. And at the end of the day, when the field was done, he was exhausted. The turtle, because he was senior partner, took an extra 20%, and they split the remaining eight silver pieces. Getting four silver pieces was pretty fair for a day's work, and the pig was going to stop by the market to get some food, then go wee 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 all the way home. In kind of an unbelievable move, the pig bought a bit of food, and then the turtle convinced the pig to loan him the remainder of the money, so turtle can buy a dress for his wife. The turtle has the money at home, he assured the pig, but the pig can't come today. The turtle and his wife were fighting. That's why the turtle wanted to buy a dress. The turtle, even though he was a slow walker, was a fast talker. And the pig left convinced that he would get his four silver pieces plus interest. The turtle was his business partner after all. Three days later, the pig had been by four times and somehow the turtle still wasn't home. Now his wife was saying he was sick. Inside the turtle mansion, the very healthy turtle was covering himself in mud, just a small layer to disguise himself. He sat in the middle of the floor and told his wife to say she was making medicines for him, that he was very sick. He would hide in plain sight as the grinding stone. Their conversation was punctuated by the pig pounding on the door. No matter what, the wife had to keep using him as a stone while the pig was there. She couldn't stop. She agreed. The pig burst into the room to see the wife grinding medicine on a stone. She said that she told the pig her husband wasn't there earlier that day. The pig demanded his money. Where did they keep it? But the wife just ignored him and kept making medicine. The pig kept asking. But finally he got so fed up that he flipped the grinding stone, actually the turtle, out the open window because the wife wasn't paying attention to him. The turtle's wife swallowed hard and kept her mouth shut. Though, honestly, she didn't know what to do now. Her husband had just been thrown into the mud pit outside. It was only a few moments before they heard a sickly cough at the door, and the turtle walked in with a crutch under his arm. Oh, hi, pig, he strained to say. I am so, so sick. I imagine that you're here for your money. I've had a change of heart, and it was wrong of me to take so much of it when you did so much work. Please take everything from that day. It's all... Wait, honey, where's the grinding stone? The wife told the turtle that the pig flipped it out the window into the mud. The turtle gasped and fainted. When he awoke, he was in a panic. That grinding stone, it was hollow. It was where they kept all their money. Not just the money from the last job, but their entire savings. The turtle begged the pig to go find the money, but he didn't even need to. The pig was already gone. He knew the turtle had been skimming off the top for years. He was going to go get the turtle's money. In the heat of the sun and in the cold of the night, the pig rooted through the expansive mud pit outside the turtle's mansion. He spent two whole days with his snout in the slimy, smelly mud before giving up and apologizing to the turtle for throwing all of their money out in anger. And to his surprise, the turtle was gracious and kind about it. And as it seemed was making a quick recovery.
So now the turtle had the money and a sweet mansion he got to keep after he violently defaulted on his mortgage, but now he wanted more. He wanted power. One day, he was walking along with his friend Rabbit, and the little turtle let it slip that he could beat anyone in a tug of war. The rabbit laughed, and the turtle said, What are you laughing at? I could beat anyone in a tug of war. The rabbit smirked. Wait, are you serious? What if the lion, hippo, or elephant heard you saying that? The turtle shrugged. Okay, go tell him if you want. I don't care. Like I said, I can beat anyone. The rabbit said that he would go right now, probably still suspecting that the turtle was bluffing. The turtle said, great, do it. And the rabbit left. The lion, the elephant, and the hippo were the rulers of the animals at that time, with the lion being the least of them after that unpleasantness with the chimp that he never quite lived down. And though the lion didn't want anything to do with the turtle after what happened last time, he laughed it off. If the turtle could beat both the hippo and the elephant in a tug of war, the lion would consider him ruler alongside them. The turtle learned of this and went to talk to the elephant and the hippo. They, of course, thought he was drunk, but they didn't turn down the challenge. It shouldn't take any time at all to them. They set a time for the next day. All that night, the turtle wove a strong rope in his house. He would need it if he was to take on the likes of them. The following day, the turtle was late. The hippo and elephant agreed that, yeah, he was definitely drunk the other day, and they waited around making small talk and eventually went on their way, thinking the turtle wasn't ever going to show. But the turtle was going to show. He had been there the whole time, waiting in the bushes for the animals to part ways. When the elephant left, the turtle got the hippo's attention. The hippo turned around to see the turtle with a large rope coiled around his shoulder, Indiana Jones style. The turtle asked if the hippo was ready. The hippo sighed, you know what? Let's just get this over with. Sure, let's do this. The turtle helped him tie the rope underneath his hippo armpits and then unfurled the rope, which rolled into the bushes and kept rolling. Huh, looks like I made a little too much rope, the turtle said. Yeah, looks like it, the impatient hippo said. You know what, I'll go pick up the other end and then our competition can start, the turtle said. It'll take me too long to come back, so when I pick up the other side, I'll just tug it three times, and then we'll start. The hippo said, okay, yeah, whatever, let's just get this over with. As soon as the turtle was out of view, he ran as quickly as he could. He had to catch the elephant. Luckily, the elephant had stopped to shower himself with the water in the river, and so he wasn't too far. The turtle caught up with him, out of breath, and showed him the end of the rope, saying, hey, where are you going? I thought we were going to do our competition today. Oh, cool, you finally showed, the elephant said. Yeah, loop it around me. Let's just get this over with. When the turtle was finished, he feigned disappointment. It looks as if he had dropped the other end of the rope back in the bushes in his haste. He told the elephant that, you know what, you're busy and I'm slow. And when I find it, I'll give it three pulls and then our competition can start. It was late morning and the turtle had chosen a spot where the middle of the rope rested by a wide, warm stone. When he arrived at the stone, he took the rope in his mouth, tugged it three times, and casually climbed atop the stone to begin sunning himself. Both the elephant and the hippo wanted to embarrass the turtle, so they pulled hard. But they were surprised to find the turtle pulling with as much strength as they had. They strained until they were pulling as hard as they could. They pulled for the rest of the morning, afternoon, and evening. Finally, the sun began to set. 
The turtle finished up the dinner he brought, wiped his little turtle mouth, slowly got down from the rock, and chewed the rope that had been taut for nearly eight hours until it snapped. Though he couldn't see them, he knew that, on the other side, the hippo and the elephant were skidding to a stop. The turtle went to the hippo first. He held the tattered edge in his mouth, informing the hippo that the cord broke. Relief washed over the hippo's face. And then it turned to horror when the turtle said he had another one at home, and he could come back with torches so that they could compete into the night. No, please, no, the hippo said. Turtle, how are you still standing? It's been hours and I pulled as hard as I could. Remember when I said I was great at tug of war? The little turtle said, well, that's how great I am. Can we please just call it a draw? The hippo said. And you'll tell everyone how strong I am, how I deserve a spot on the animal ruling council, the turtle asked. Because if not, I can go get an extra rope and we can settle it tonight, the hippo pleaded. He said he would happily tell the animals just how strong and deserving the turtle was. Just please don't make him pull anymore. He didn't even think he could stand. The turtle said he hoped the hippo felt better and he would see him the next time all the important animals got together. The conversation with the exhausted elephant went pretty much the exact same way. And the next day, in the village, the very sore elephant and hippo told everyone that the turtle was now a ruler of the animals. And no, they didn't want to talk about it. The humans and the animals were all together in one place, and the lion's eyes were stinging. The humans had all failed, and now the lion was failing as well. After him, the other animals would get their chance. Next the hippo, then elephant, and then the turtle, and so on. All would get their chance to compete for the human princess's hand. The king of the humans, and the king of all creatures, knew that he must marry off his daughter, but he really, really didn't want to. So he came up with this totally fair competition. If the humans and the animals could simply knit a crown out of smoke, then they would earn the hand of the princess. Simple, right? Whoever won would be the heir. He would prove himself wise enough to be the king and would eventually rule over animals and humans. Like I said, the humans already failed. Now the animals got to take their turn. The lion went first, and with smoke in his eyes, he batted adorably just above the fire, but couldn't get the smoke to work into a crown. With a slump, he gave up and walked off. The other animals tried, but the turtle actually waited until the very end, studying everyone. He wasn't stupid. He knew this task was supposed to be impossible, but he thought he might have found a way. He walked to the fire, even though he was begrudgingly respected by the animal community now, that wasn't really the case with the human community. One story said someone kicked sand in his face, and the whole crowd laughed at him. I mean, this particular turtle totally deserves it, but really, who's that much of a jerk that they're going to kick sand in the face of a little turtle just walking by? Anyway, the turtle said that he could do it, but not now. He asked the king for seven market days to prepare, and he would come back and knit the crown. Really quickly, in different countries in West Africa, market days can range from either every other day to every eight days. So the turtle seems to be asking for either two weeks or up to eight weeks. I can imagine the lion and elephant were wary of the little turtle, having learned not to underestimate him. But the king didn't see a problem with it. He shrugged. Sure, the turtle could wait a few weeks to fail. But one more thing. 
the turtle said. I may need specialized materials to knit the crown. I want your word that you will provide me with whatever I need. The king said, sure, you have my word that anything you want for the project will be given to you. The turtle looked back at the crowd and said, let it be known that the king says anything I need for the project will be mine. Yeah, that's what I said, the king said. We wrote it down. Are we done here? Two to eight weeks later, the turtle walked slowly to the fire. The crowd that had come to see him fail was large, and they were snickering. He hadn't come with a crown. He announced to the king that in the time since he had been there, he had been feverishly talking to spirits, and he had learned the answer. The crown of smoke would never come from mere logs. It had to come from something special. Human hair. The turtle needed all the humans available to shave their heads and throw their hair into the fire. From that smoke, he would be able to craft the crown. I can imagine that the king was hesitant, but he had sworn an oath in front of his kingdom, both humans and animals, and he intended to keep it. He ordered everyone within a day's travel to shave their heads. The turtle asked that the fire be hot and large. The little turtle was given a box to stand on over the fire, and they dumped the hair on it in baskets. Before the turtle could wave his stubby arms once, the hair of everyone available went up in very smelly smoke, and was gone. Okay, I need more hair, the turtle said. A lot more. I need smoke for more than just a few seconds. The king said that he didn't... The kingdom didn't have any more hair. They couldn't grow it fast enough. But you promised to give me what I needed for the task. Yet now you can't, the turtle said. It's like you're asking me to fire a gun and not giving me any bullets. What you've asked is impossible. Without the hair, of course. The turtle saw a smile flicker on the face of the king. Of course. Impossible without the hair, the king said. The little turtle had figured it out and trapped him. He had shown himself wiser and smarter than the king. He had exposed the impossibility of the task and yet had given the king an honorable way out. The king stood up and said that the little turtle had won the princess's hand. Since the task couldn't be completed as it stood, with the whole kingdom bald, then the turtle was being declared the winner. That day, the turtle left his turtle mansion and became married to the princess. While the old king was alive, the turtle was made the undisputed ruler of the animals. He was over the lion, the hippo, the elephant, everyone. The little turtle, who started our story starving and homeless, used wisdom and trickery, the only natural talents he had, to build himself a home, become rich, and become the king. easy to see why people would think the turtle would need to be smart to survive. It has little in the way of defense other than a hard shell. It's super slow and would appear to be very lazy, probably just seen sunning itself all day and swimming. Intelligence and trickery are its tools for survival, much in the same way that the lion's teeth or the elephant's size are, and it lives among the animals, so it might be unfair to apply human morality to the situations. In that sort of context, you can kind of justify the turtle's actions. And though I can kind of understand the reasoning, I still see the turtle as a jerk. He takes advantage of everyone for his own gain and doesn't seem to care who he shames or hurts. Sure, trickery and dishonesty and selfishness might be the turtle's natural defense mechanisms in these stories, but he shouldn't be a role model. I do like how the human in the story, the king, kept his oath. 
even though it meant marrying his daughter off to a little turtle. I think that's the key point. The human kept his oath. As people, we're not animals, and we shouldn't try to take advantage of everyone and everything around us for personal gain. Despite the turtle's success, I think he's a detestable, greedy monster. So the moral of the story, at least in my mind, is don't be like the little turtle. Be human. Also, if you find yourself in a business venture with a turtle, don't let him be the senior partner. And if you do, at least don't make him personal loans. Next week, we're going back to the time of King Arthur and starting the story of Lancelot. We're going back to Camelot and we'll see the man who will become the greatest champion of Arthur's round table. This is one I've wanted to do for so long. I want to say thanks to Tatre, SW7891, Busser245643, Sydney H. Bone, Mari Barf, Moody Mamesi, JB1600, Sideways8, Sybil Vanity, Catasaur, Caveman44, and Pain Train24 for the reviews on iTunes. Once again, thank you all so much for the reviews. I do appreciate it, and I really love reading the feedback and everything you say. If you'd like to leave a review, iTunes is the best place. And you can find it on there or on the podcast app at itunes.mythpodcast.com. There's also a membership thing on the site. For less than a roll of black toilet paper on Amazon.com, you can get extra episodes, source pack ebooks, and now add free versions of this show weekly. And all those things aren't oddly unnerving, like a roll of black toilet paper. Really, I have no idea what it is about black toilet paper, but I find it super weird. Anyway, for the membership not black toilet paper, never black toilet paper, you can go to support.mythpodcast.com. The creature this week is the Hyosube from Japanese folklore. They are little wild human-like creatures found in southern and western Japan. They are short with bald heads, but other than their arms and legs, they are covered in thick, greasy hair. This thick hair doubtlessly smells horrible because it collects dust and dirt and whatever other grime they happen to come in contact with. They live near rivers and will mostly stay away from humans. Mostly. If you happen to farm eggplant, as no doubt the overwhelming number of our listeners do, then you can expect a visit from them. It's their favorite food and they will raid your farm. If you see these little guys tearing up your fields, avert your eyes, because even seeing one of them can leave you with a fever that can spread to everyone in town, or turn you purple. One woman watched them tearing up her fields, and she turned purple the next day, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory style, and died a few days later. Also, if greasy, hairy little men tearing up your delicious eggplant wasn't weird enough, they also cackle with laughter. Don't be polite and laugh back though, because then, once again, you'll be stuck with a fever and die. You can also expect a visit if you have a horse, because they hate horses and will kill them. This part is just kind of sad, because unlike you and your selfish hoarding of delicious eggplant, the horses probably didn't do anything wrong. You can convince them to pass by your fields by simply leaving a few ripe eggplant at the edge of your property, or not. If you also happen to have a nice bathtub, expect a visit. After a hard day's work of being generally terrible, they like to treat themselves to a nice soak in your tub. After a few hours, they'll get out marginally cleaner, all while leaving a thick scum, greasy body hair, and a horrible smell behind them. If this happens to you, just move, because if you empty the tub, they will not only dirty it the next night, and the one after that, and so on, but kill your favorite horse if you have one, if they haven't gotten the poor creature already. 
That's it for this time. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. Links to the other music I used are in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.